Could you just shout that right now? Could you just shout hallelujah all over this house? I believe on Easter Sunday morning, he's worthy of a hallelujah. I said, I believe on Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, our God is worthy of a hallelujah. If you've got breath in your lungs, he's worthy uh, of a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you today. We magnify you today. No matter what you're facing today, there is always a resurrection. I said, no matter what you're facing today, there is always a resurrection. And because he did rise on the third day, and we believe that he bodily rose from the grave uh, on the third day, uh, we know that we have that same power on the inside of us uh, today. That's why we walk in here with our arms raised and our voices lifted uh, and singing hallelujah to the resurrected king. I said hallelujah to the resurrected king. We worship you today. We worship you today. We just want to welcome you to the Pentecostal Church. My name is David Grigsby. We want to welcome you to the place where we're loving God and loving people. And we're excited that you're here today on this Easter celebration. If you'll have just a seat for just a second, our first lady is coming up. Could you just give her a great Easter welcome? We're so thankful for her. Happy Easter. Hosanna to the King. The only true and living God. So I'm Janet Nealon. We wanted to bring Sunday school to you this morning. You know, I can't imagine how that that week must have really been. It was a week of gamut emotions, right? They had seen the miracles. They had even, Jesus had even paid their taxes because they found the, the coins in the fish's mouth. And he said, go pay your taxes. Their, their nets had broke. The demoniac had been set free. And then all of a sudden he began walking through the streets of Jerusalem. And he had been talking about that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So they set him up on a donkey and that signified now they really believed that he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. That he had come to set them free on this earth. They couldn't quite grasp that he not only was setting them free to live an abundant life on this earth. But he was setting them free for all eternity. And so they begin to worship him and shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then the next thing that we see is that he's at the table and he's saying, one of you are going are gonna to betray me and you're going to deny me. And then he knelt and washed their feet. They prayed in the garden and then now their friend, the brother, some of them had known Jesus all of their entire life as a little boy, as a carpenter's son. And now all of a sudden he was brutally, the Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition. So any, any play that we see or anything that we see of a portrayal of the crucifixion, it can't even come near what that it was because you could not even distinguish that he was a man. They had to have stood there in such shock, hardly even crying because they, they couldn't believe. He didn't set us free. Is he a liar? Who is this man? What has he done? Our dreams are dashed. And they buried him. The women came that morning. They didn't know it was going to be resurrection morning. They came that morning. And wow. He gave one more surprise. He surprised him with his miracles, with the coins in the fish's mouth. He surprised him with the crucifixion. But he surprised him because all of a sudden, the angel said, he's not here. Why are you looking for him here? He's been telling you that he's the king. He's been telling you that he's going to be alive forevermore. Go look elsewhere because he's not here. And boy, there they went running and telling. But you know what the wonderful thing about Jesus? He never stops with surprises. He is always giving unexpected blessings. So he went up into the heavens and then he told them. He said, go, go tarry. Go ahead and tarry. You wait for me because I'm sending something. 
Well, man, they had seen a lot. And you know what they did? They went and tarried for 120 days because they said, we don't know what this power is, but we, yeah, 120. Thank you. I appreciate that. So they began to tarry and they said, oh my goodness, we don't know what it is that's coming. But what we do know is that something is coming. He's already given the promise that he would live again. And now he's sending it to us. And so he gave them the power. As they begin to speak in another tongue, his tongue, his language, he gave them the power to overcome, not just in this life, but resurrection power for all eternity. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you asked me this morning, what does the Easter egg hunt have to do with the resurrected power? Because it shows that every one of us had the opportunity to find life, resurrected life in the power of Jesus Christ. The egg is new life. It gives new life. And Christ said, I know that you've been set up on this earth and there's going to be disappointments and frustration and angry and relationships that don't work out. But if you'll have faith in me, like he told his disciples, come follow me. Come follow me. They just threw it all down and followed him. Why should we follow you? Just come on. Come on and you'll see. So we have to do our part. And you know what that is? Just come follow. Have faith in Christ. So this morning... I'm going to give you the count off. One, two, three, go. And not only does Jesus have an unexpected blessing for you, every day of your life, there's a new sunrise and a new sunset. The sky is new. The weather is new. He wants to bring restoration to your relationships, healing to your body. He wants to bring resurrection power to your marriage. Whatever that you have that you're disappointed in, if you'll have faith in God and give it to Him. If you'll give Him the opportunity, He's going to give you something back. And as you open it up, it's going to have a surprise in it for you. Give Him your sorrow. Give Him your pain. Because He has something good in store for you. So TPC also has a little goodness in store for you. And so whenever I say one, two, three, go, you are going to look under your pew. And whenever you do, you're going to, some of you are going to find a little egg. And inside of that is going to be a wonderful surprise, some kind of monetary gift for you to take away from this place. So you ready? Happy Easter. Jesus is alive. One, two, three, go. you just got blessed I said how many of you just got blessed some of you can pay for lunch now hallelujah (laughs) we're so glad that you're here today we want to welcome all of our first-time guests let's give all of our first-time guests a great big TPC welcome the Quincy welcome thank you thank you so much at your seat today Um, at your seat today, hopefully in front of you, beside you, there's a connection card. looks just like this. We'd love for you to fill that out and just drop that uh, with the usher as we're getting ready to worship in our giving. We would love for you to get to know us and us to get to know you. We also want to make it easy for you. If you don't want to fill that out, you can just take out your phone. Yes, we allow you to take out your phone in church here. 
And uh, you can just text the word GUEST to 337-227-9609. We've got a special gift for you. And we just want to say thank you for being here on Resurrection. This is the place where we believe every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Because if it wasn't for the resurrection, we'd have no need to be here today. Amen? We'd have no need to even get up this morning. And so we just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your holiday schedule, spring break, everything, and being here with us today. You are are honoring us. We're honored that you're here. I'm extremely honored and overwhelmed this morning to have great friends and family all the way from Houston, Texas with me today. And I'm so thankful that they took their Easter weekend to come and be with me and my wife. Some great friends here, and I'm so thankful. And I'm glad that you're here, and your friends and your family are here today. And so we just want to remind you of all the great things that God is doing. We're getting ready to worship in our giving this morning. And we know that as a part of our worship, it's an expression of our generosity. Everybody say our generosity. How many of you know you can't outgive the Lord? Amen. How many of you know, the Bible says, try me, and how many of you have tried him and know that you can't outgive him? As Pastor says, how many blessed people do we have in the house this morning? You know where your source, not just your resource, but you know where your source is. You know where your source is. So if you're ready to worship and you're giving, our ushers are coming, would you just stand to your feet one more time? We also have several prayer requests today. We're praying, continuing to pray. For Sister Betty Hudson, Caleb Royer, Sister Faith Poe. How many of you have a need in your life? You need the Lord to touch you today. Whatever the situation and the circumstance is, I believe God can do it by the end of this service. We have a saying here where God's presence is, his power is. And if his power is here, he can do anything. And you don't have to leave the same way that you walked in. Amen. Lord, we thank you for every need that we can bring to you. It is your grace that meets us here in this morning. We thank you because of resurrection, this day that we celebrate. To many people, it's just another day on the calendar. But to us, it's an everyday reality. Because we know without your resurrection, we, we wouldn't even have the ability to come and ask and pray over needs. So Lord, we pray over every need that's in this room, every name that we've called every physical need, every sickness, every financial need, every relational need. And we just ask God that you be real today. Let this not just be another Easter that we just go through the motion and just have a good day and have fun. But Lord, meet us at the point of our need in this house today. And we thank you for it, Lord. And we thank you for blessing every person who is about to worship in their giving this morning in Jesus' name.
Would you give our musicians and band a big hand? I appreciate them so very much. It's good to see all of you. Turn to somebody and just tell them something nice, like, hey, you look nice today. That's a sweet outfit. Thank you for being here. To all of you that came uh, to be with David and Michelle, thank all of you for coming all the way from Houston to be with them. That is very, very kind of you. Thank you. Really, thank you. And in all sincerity, there's a couple of seats up here. If somebody wants to come, march yourself on up to the front row. There's a couple of seats. It is truly an honor to have you. I am so sorry that we're not in our new building. But we're going to get there. And when we do, we're going to have more space. And if the Lord don't tarry, we're going to be in it next year for sure. And if He comes, well, we're just going to go in the rapture together. Let's go to heaven together. Amen. Well, I got just something to maybe make you smile. Facebook and your refrigerator have this in common. You know there's nothing in there, but you go and check it every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to all of you that served yesterday at the booth for the railroad festival thank you appreciate that i'm going to give you what's in my spirit and i pray that you receive it drew looked over and asked me he said pastor how are you going to follow sister janet i said i don't know but i'm gonna just do my best that girl's annoying it isn't she Appreciate her and her team. Wow. Wow. So here's just what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about Rescue Me. Rescue Me, the hope of Easter. God bless you. You can be seated. All right, so this morning, we're going to start with a little quiz. I need everybody to be honest. Okay? Here's how we're going to start. How many of you have ever been locked out of your house or your car let me see your hand oh my goodness all right thank you for that okay how many of you have ever gotten so lost that there was no way you could find your way out except stop and ask for help let me see your hand there's some men in here that are not telling the truth. You are, you're lying. That's just the bottom line. Let's have an early altar call because you're lying. <laughs> All right, next one. How many of you have ever been in such a jam, a jam, a pickle, whatever you want to call it, that you knew there was no way you could get yourself out of it except somebody help you? Let me see your hand. Yeah, that's most of us. All right, now, how many of you have ever gone into high school or college and started taking a class and about midway through, you know, there's no way I'm going to pass this class unless the Lord or, or my teacher helps me. All right, last one. You got to be honest. This one's funny. How many has ever been in any type of restroom and found yourself with no toilet paper? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, I think you got a story to tell me after church. <laughs> well, you know what? In all of those instances, there's one thing in common. You needed somebody to rescue you. Yeah, you sure did. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Saving Private Ryan or Apollo 13 or the movie Armageddon or Mission Impossible. The theme of those is rescue. Doing a little bit of research, you'll, you'll find out that 
I think it's Titanic, Avatar, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars are the four top grossing movies in history. And all four of those movies, the theme is rescue. When Superman comes to earth, what does he come to do? He comes to rescue. And ever since Adam and Eve messed it up and blew it up in a place called Eden, God has been rescuing us over and over and over and over again. Just think about some of the great stories in the Old Testament. God really rescued Moses and the children of Israel from Pharaoh. Then you, you think about that God rescued Joseph out of prison. And God rescued Jonah from the great fish. And he rescued Daniel from the lion's den. And we could just keep going on about how that God comes to us to rescue us. And when you read in your Bible, you read words like saved, redeemed, reconciled. These are words that, that speak to what God wants to do for each and every one of us. See, most of the world's religions teach that you and I have to ascend to God. That we have to come up to God by our good works. That we get to Him through our good works. Most of the world's religions teaches that the way you get to God is just through good moral virtues and behavior. Another way that you get to God is through ritual observances. And then lastly, they teach that a way you get to God is really just to transform your mind. But Christianity is the only religion in the world that teaches God descended to rescue us. And that we are never good enough in our human efforts to ascend to the holiness or the greatness of God. Do you understand that God descended from heaven to earth in a bodily form? And then he went to the cross and he didn't stop there. He descended into the heart of the earth and took back the keys of death and the grave so that he could come back and lift us all up and rescue us out of the sin that we all found ourselves in. Does that make sense? I want you to look on the screen at 1 Timothy I believe it is uh, 2 and, and verse 5. This is a different translation, but I like it. It says there's only one God, and Jesus Christ is the only one that can bring us to God. The King James Version says it like this. There's only one God, and His name is Jesus, and He is the mediator between God and man. But this verse says He was truly human, and He gave Himself to do what? To rescue all of us. Would you say that with me? All of us. Do you understand that religion builds walls? It just does. Religion builds walls. And religion, it's sad to say, but the walls that it builds is that if you're not like us or dress like us or look like us, then you can't be a part of us. But that's not what this verse says. Please put it back on the screen. It says Jesus come to rescue all of us. That means black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. He come to rescue all of us. You may think you're better than somebody else, but darling, you're not. You need a savior just like your next door neighbor needs a savior. We all need a savior. We all need to be rescued. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican or Independent. 
It doesn't matter if you speak English or Spanish or Cajun French. Come on, somebody. Jesus didn't come for just a white man or a black man or an Asian man. He came for all of us, no matter where we've come from. We need to be rescued. Can I get a witness in this house? Here's the question then. Well, why did Jesus come to rescue us? Because most of you are familiar enough with the Easter story. You know what it's about. You know on Good Friday... He was crucified and on Sunday he rose. You know that. Most of you know that. But I want to answer the question, why? Why did Jesus come to rescue us? And I'm going to do my best to answer that in a, in a few minutes. Why did Jesus come to rescue us? And if he come to save us, what do I need saving from? Because there's many of you here, to be honest, I mean, you're paying your bills. You're eating good. You, you drove more than a bicycle here today. You're, you're doing all right. So life is pretty good for many of you. So what do you need to be saved from? Here's what I know, and you know it too. No matter how much money you have, you need to be saved from stress and worry. You need to be saved from a life of fear. There's a lot of people that's got a lot of money, but they're living in anxiety and depression. Only Jesus can save you from that. I said this many times. You can go and buy a pill from a pharmacy, but you can't buy peace. Can I talk to you out of my heart this morning? All of us really need to be rescued from ourselves because if we're left to our own devices, we'll, we'll just go like a pig goes to the hog pen and to the muck and mire. That's where sin takes all of us. So why do I need to be saved? Because I need to be saved because I cannot save myself. And here's the fact, ladies and gentlemen, if you could save yourself, Jesus would have never sent a savior. Can I keep talking to you? We need to be rescued from the, from the bondages of addictions. We need to be rescued from a life without purpose. Hey, you may have a job and I'm thankful for that job, but you need more than a job. You need purpose. You, need, you and I need to do more than just make a buck. We want to make a difference with our life. And if we're going to make a difference with our life, then that means we need to be a part of something that's bigger than us. Can I get a witness? See, Jesus' only mission, ladies and gentlemen, is not just to get you to heaven. If his only mission was to get you to heaven, then you could find salvation and God would just take you up to heaven. So that's not God's only mission for you and I. Look at Psalm 18 up on the screen. Psalm 18 and 19 it says this. It says, he brought me out. This is David speaking. It said, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Now that's a powerful language because God does more than just love you. He likes you. There's some people you love, but you don't like. You're like, I got to love you to go to heaven, but I don't like you. <laughs> Jesus does more than just love you. He likes you. And he likes you so much that he come to save you, not just to get you to heaven. He come to save you so that John 10 and 10 says that you could have life and have it more abundantly. There's a lot of people that say, you know what? I can't get God in my life because, man, when I get God in my life, God's going to cramp my style. Man, when I get God in my life, I can't even go out and dance anymore. Well, you know what? Yes, you can. You can still dance. Just change partners. Just come on. Just... Maybe don't do it out there, but do it in here. Say, God's going to cramp my style. Not according to, to Psalm 18 and 19, he's not going to cramp your style. God doesn't get involved with you to decrease you. 
to shut you down, to push you down. God gets involved with you to increase you, to bring you into a spacious place, to bless you with abundant life. God doesn't just want you to live here on the earth and just survive. God wants you to thrive. He wants to bring you into a spacious place. He wants to give you a purpose worth living for. Does that make sense? You know, you say, well, pastor, I got a pretty good life right now. And I'm thankful for that. But a good life is not good enough. I'm going to say that again. A good life is not good enough. You were made for more than just growing up, getting an education, earning some money, retiring, and then dying. Can I say it again? You were made for more than the good life. You were made for the abundant life. Life is more than just earning a buck. God has plans for you. And until you and I get plugged into God, we're like a coffee pot on the shelf. If that coffee pot's not plugged in, it's not fulfilling its purpose. You may have a good life, but if you're not plugged into God, you may be a good person, but you are not fulfilling your purpose in life because God understands that you have willpower, but until you get plugged into him, that's where you get God's power and you need God's power to overcome sin and to overcome self. Once again, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't need to be saved, God would not have shed his innocent son's blood to save you. See, everything God did on what we call Good Friday, everything God did on Friday was to give us hope. Right? See, why did Jesus, I want you to think about this just a minute. Why did Jesus wear a crown of thorns? Because if you go back to Genesis, when God, when, when, when God spoke to Adam and he says, curse is going to be the ground, and now it's going to bring thorns and thistles. That was part of the curse. Why did Jesus wear a crown of thorns? Is because he was placing the curse upon himself. So that you could be blessed. Yeah. That's what it's about. Why was Jesus' two hands fastened to a cross? Because our two hands stole from the tree. And so what Jesus was saying is, is he's saying, I'm going to be crucified in my two hands so that sin can no longer steal from you. Because I want to restore what sin took from you. That makes sense. Why was Jesus pierced in his side? Because Eve was taken from the side. And the Bible says that Eve led Adam into temptation. So I just, I got to stay here just a minute. The, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 19, verse 34, that a soldier came up and put a spear into Jesus's side and out of it flowed blood and water. What, what is the, what is the symbolic meaning of blood. It's redemption. What is the symbolic meaning of water? It is life. What was Jesus saying? That every time you are being tempted, my blood flows to redeem you and my water is flowing to give you life, to satisfy you. God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. And if we're not careful, sin will try to satisfy us instead of Christ satisfying us. And when sin starts satisfying us, then that's what leads us into addictions. And it leads us into a dark place because sin can never satisfy us. That's why Jesus come to save us from our sin. And every time that we are being tempted, he wants us to remember my blood flowed so that I could provide a way of escape. And out of that was water so that I can issue life to you so that you can be satisfied in me and in nothing else. Talking to all of us this morning about rescue me. 
Because everything that Jesus did, he did it for us. Why was Jesus' feet nailed to a cross? One of the earliest promises that we have in Scripture is found in Genesis 3 and 15. And basically, here's what it says. It says that the seed of a woman, this is actually talking about Mary, would crush your head because she was going to produce Jesus. And it goes to say that Satan would just crush the heel of the Lord. Okay? Are y'all with me? So this is the earliest promise that we have of redemption is Genesis 3 and 15. And it talks about that, that Jesus was going to crush Satan's head, but that Satan would crush his heel. So Satan gets real happy when he sees those nails being driven into the Lord's feet. Why? Because he's saying Jesus is now nailed down and he can't get up. And he was actually mocking the promise of Genesis 3 and 15 that says, now that you're nailed down, I don't have anything to worry about. But what he didn't understand is that Jesus took the worst possible situation and on the third day, ladies and gentlemen, turned it around. Is that not amazing? And Satan said, well, because I think I've got Jesus nailed down, then you are hopeless. But I just want to come and tell you today that no matter how dark it is on Friday, no matter how hopeless it may seem to some of you on Saturday, nothing is going to keep God from fulfilling his promises. Because his word says that he is not a man that he should lie. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did not abandon you in his darkest hour. Neither will he abandon you now in your darkest hour. This is a message of encouragement. If you say, Pastor, I'm in a dead-end marriage. Well, if Jesus can resurrect a dead body then he can resurrect a dead marriage you say pastor I'm in a dead end job I hate my job if Jesus can get up out of a grave on Sunday then it means God can open up a new door of opportunity for you to walk through can I get a witness okay now in just a minute I'm going to do my best to answer why you need to be rescued. Why do I need to be rescued, Pastor? But first, I'm going to share something with you. First, got to admit that I need rescuing. How many of you remember, you got to be a little bit older. How many of you remember back in August, August 5th, uh, 2010, when there were 33... Uh, Chilean miners caught 2,300 feet beneath the earth. How many of you remember that? Okay, all you old folks. I'm joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah, so um, if you'll remember that story, experts from around the world got together. And even NASA got involved on how that they could rescue these 33 miners. Now what they came up with is, go back to that picture, Madeline, please, that one right there. What they came up with was this capsule. And this capsule is only 19 to 21 inches in diameter. So it's not that big. Okay? But but what if, just leave that up, please, Madeline. What if those miners, right, has said, well, we kind of like it down here, 2,300 feet beneath the earth. Uh, it's a little cozy. It's pretty dark. We don't have to pay taxes down here. We just think we're going to stay down here. You know what we'd call that? Nonsense. 
And yet a lot of people do that. I got a good life. I'm all right. I got a good job. I got my right mind. I'm in pretty good health. And they don't think that they need to be rescued. But what if those 33 guys would have said, hey, you know what? Um, we're just going to we're just going to stay in the dark. We're just going to stay in the dark. Um, I can tell you right now, nobody's going to force those guys to be rescued. But what kind of life would they have had? Now, I know a lot of you that are guests, you've heard a lot of crazy things about Pentecostal. And I'm sad to say a lot of it's true. Some of it's not. But under this leadership right here, we're not going to force you to do anything today. Whatever you heard, that ain't how it goes in this house. We ain't going to force you to do nothing. You walked in here free. You can walk out free. We ain't going to chain you up, lock you up, force you to speak in tongues. We ain't going to do none of that. Because here's what we know. If God can't save you, we sure can't. So trust me, I'm not up here to try to get you to do anything. But I do want you to understand, you and I cannot save ourselves. you got to know by now that the government's not going to save you. Surely you know by now, no matter how good your job is, your job ain't going to save you. Grandma ain't even going to save you. A podcast ain't going to save you. If those 33 miners had to pay for their rescue, they're never going to get out. Why? Because it cost tens of millions of dollars. And A, they couldn't afford that. And B, somebody had to come do it for them. They couldn't do it for themselves. See, here's what I want you to get. It was beyond their ability to pay. And the last time I checked, heaven is a perfect place and you and I are not. And if you could get perfect, you would, but you can't, so you won't. And that's why we all need a Savior. That's why we all need somebody to rescue us. Because guess what? Thank you for whatever you gave in the offering, but it'll never be good enough to pay your way into heaven. Thank you for being good people, but you can never be good enough to impress a holy God. So guess what? You can't pay enough or earn your enough away into heaven. You just have to accept it by faith that what Jesus did for us on the cross is enough to take us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Yeah. So what if those miners would have said this? Hey, we appreciate the government's effort, but we don't really need them. We can get out of this mess by ourselves. We got teaspoons. Mm -hmm. We're going to dig our way out of 2,300 feet beneath the earth. You know what we'd say? That's nonsense. But a lot of people are doing this. And a lot of people are saying, hey, I can get out of this by myself. Professional lifeguards, I've read a little bit. Professional lifeguards say that when somebody starts drowning, what you do is, is you swim out to them, but you don't, you don't reach out for them right then. You say, why? Because when somebody is drowning, they are, they're flailing around. And they're just, I mean, they're going every which away. And if you're not careful, if you try to save them right then and there, they can actually pull you under. So a professional lifeguard knows this. They'll swim out to them and they'll just let them flail around for a little while. And then when they're about to go under, they'll slip up beside them, slip their arm around them, get their head out of the water and begin to bring them back to shore. What, what, what is the, what's the meaning of that? Here it is. You cannot save someone who is trying to save themselves. Here's the third thing I want to share with you. I asked Jesus to save me. Here's the point that I want you to understand. The rescuer determines the method of rescuing. Have you ever seen, I'm sure you haven't, but just think about this in your mind. Someone is literally drowned and they get a little bit of air and say, would you please bring the blue device, not the red device. Y'all didn't get that. 
If somebody is drowning and their last little bit of air, I'm pretty sure they're not asking for blue instead of red. They probably don't care if it's pink. They probably don't care what color it is. They just need something there that they can hang on to that's going to save them. What, what is my point? My point is, is that Jesus didn't leave it up to us how he was going to save us. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. We talked about it last week. If anybody tries to come in here, he's the same as a thief and a robber. Now, I know it's going to get quiet in here, but that's all right. Jesus said it. I didn't. Jesus didn't say, I am one way of many. He didn't say, I'm the nicest way. Jesus said, I am the way. Ladies and gentlemen, according to this scripture, you don't have to believe a thing I say. But according to the word of God, Jesus says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And it's arrogant for me to think that I can make up my own way to get into heaven. Here's the last thing that I want to share with you. Here's number four. The fourth thing that I must do is commit my life to him. Now imagine those miners. What if they were afraid to commit to that little capsule? Put that back up there, please, Marilyn. Madeline, please. That little what if they would have been said, Oh my goodness, man, I can't I can't get into that capsule. I can't do that. I can't see somebody up there pulling me up. Who's up there pulling me up? How can I trust in what I don't see? I don't know them. I can't trust in that. Let me, you know, we say, well, I got to see it to believe it. Let me tell you something. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm going to calm down. Let me just tell you something. You trust in all kinds of things you can't see. You trust in microwaves to heat your food and you can't see that. You trust in radio waves to bring you whatever you like to listen to and you can't see those. You trust in TV waves to bring you entertainment and you can't see that. You trust in electricity, you don't even understand how it works, but you trust when you flip that switch, light's going to come on. So don't go telling me you can't trust in anything you don't see. Because you trust in stuff every day you don't see. Come on, somebody. What if those, what if those miners would have, you know, said, hey, listen, we, we don't know if we can trust this little capsule to save us. Can I tell you for all intents and purposes, those guys were dead. They were dead. They're not getting out alive. It's hopeless. But a rescuer takes the initiative to come to them. And they got to put their trust in what the rescuer provided. I don't like cramped spaces. Can it be any other way? Well, can you think of another way? No. So this is the way. If you want to be saved, you get in what the rescuer provided. Come on, somebody. And you know what they did? They came out from a very dark, damp, lonely, trapped space into spaciousness. Come on, somebody. And that is what Easter is all about. Easter is the greatest rescue story ever told. So I'm going to try to fulfill what I just said. Why, pastor, do I need to be rescued? Because like those miners, you cannot rescue yourself. Why do I need to be saved? Because God wants to do more than just take you to heaven. He wants you to give you an abundant life here upon the earth where you are dominant over sin, over self, over Satan, and over sickness. Why do I need to be saved, Pastor? Here's why. Because God wants to give you a heart transplant. I know all of you look cute this morning. You all look cute. You all look pretty. You really do. But I also know human nature. And I also know that human nature can be very ugly when it's angry. Very ugly. How do you know? Because I know me. And what we all need is a heart transplant. For God to take an angry heart and give us a compassionate heart. For God to take a critical heart and give us a loving heart. 
Can I get a witness for God to give us a compassionate heart for a damaged heart? God wants to give all of us in this room a new heart. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to give you a heads up and here just a minute, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, our prayer leaders are going to come up. I'm not going to ask anyone in this house to come up to the front unless you want to. No pressure. But what I am going to do here in just a minute is I'm going to pray over this congregation. And when I'm praying out loud, maybe you can pray the same thing with me. And then when we are done, and you see these prayer leaders up here, if you want prayer for anything, regardless of what it is, Here's what I would encourage you to do. Come up and just tell them in one sentence what you want them to agree with. For example, I really need God to change my heart. They're going to agree with you. I need God to open up a door. They're going to agree with you. I need God to work in my marriage. I need God to rescue my marriage. I need God to give me direction. Maybe you don't have salvation. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. There's a lot of things out there, a lot of theology out there, but here's what I see. Is that when we come to Him, we just must repent of our sins. Commit our life to God. Allow His name to be applied to us in baptism for the remission of our sins. And then we open ourselves up to receive the Holy Spirit that gives us power every day over sin and self, Satan, temptation. Please hear me though this morning. We don't spend enough time on this one verse. Here's one verse that says, the angels rejoice over one that repents. So you may not be sure about all that I just said, but here's what I know. If you just cry out to God and say, God, I know I can't save myself. Would you save me? I'm going to tell you, you're on a pathway where your life can totally be changed. Are you with me? Would you bow your head? Father, we need to be rescued. Lord, we realized this morning that if we didn't need a Savior, you wouldn't have sent one. God, hopefully we understand that there are things in our life that we just simply cannot change. No matter how good we are, no matter what rituals we do, no matter how much, Lord, that we try to earn it, we just simply cannot earn our way into heaven. So, Father, we need you in our life. All of us in this room, I pray that all of us would be willing to admit we can't save ourselves. So we're calling on you to save us. Lord, forgive us of our sins. We want, Lord, for you to take over our life completely. Fill us, God, with your spirit. And give us a new heart. And change our life. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. If you're a believer, would you just put your hand up right here, right now? Would my prayer leader step out of your pew and would you come up to this front, please? And if you want prayer this morning, these ladies and these gentlemen will agree with you. In the name of Jesus. All my words fall short. I've got nothing. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing songs as I often do. Every song must be that you can do. So I throw my. Yeah.
Yeah. 
being here. It's been a great privilege for you to be here and for me to bring you the word. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something in this house right now that can set you free from addiction, that can change your heart.